Welcome to another edition of Across the Line. On this episode, we ask Chris Gritwich anything. And there's been a lot of people reaching out over the Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram to ask their questions, and we get an opportunity to really lay out a lot of groundwork on Chris, his background on coaching, his thoughts on youth development, and his um, assessment on how the game is currently in the Philippines. It's kind of a long episode, so we have to cut it up into two parts. But we do hope that you enjoy it, all right? So if you like the podcast, if you like the content, definitely do subscribe on YouTube, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to another edition of Across the Line. On today's episode, uh, we are going to focus in on the great man that is Chris Greatwich. He's got uh, a lot of hats that he wears in the uh, football industry here in the Philippines. And today we're going to get an opportunity to see inside your mind. You know, there is uh, obviously the youth director of Kaya Academy. Mm-hmm. You're a uh, footballing legend as a player, right, uh, for the national team. Played for Kaya for a long time, mm-hmm. captain the side. So club football, national team football. You coach the team uh, as an assistant in the Asian Cup, which is the highest level that the, the country has coached. This is the senior team of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So um, as a coach, as a player, as a mm-hmm. youth director, we're going to get it a perspective, hopefully on all three of the hats that you wear for the Philippine football. Wow, what an intro. Thank yeah? you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we put the post out yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Um, you can ask me anything. Yeah. We've had all manner of um, questions come through. I've had a, a little scan yeah, of, of uh, some of the questions that were put forward. So uh, I think you have a couple of your own. Yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah, I'm 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 all ears. I'm ready to listen to what the the listeners and the viewers yeah. want answered, and I'll do my best to give them some insight. Quite excited about this. This oh, is yeah. uh, okay. to just come back on the show from the trip to to Malaysia for yeah, the AFC Cup. Yeah, why don't you explain to, to everyone where, where you've been? Yeah, well, the, um, Kaya uh, qualified for the Asian Cup, uh, for the AFC Cup, not in the best possible manner, mm. in um, not winning any titles, not winning any trophies, but yeah. being best loser in the Philippines, <laughs> it turns out. Was, yeah. We'll get you a prize to go to the AFC Cup. So okay. alongside Ceres Negros, we were there as the Philippine representatives. And um, every year they have a bit of a workshop prior to the draw. So a day before, they'll teach you about media matters, legal matters, which if you've been to this workshop before, it's largely the same. Right. So not too eventful there. But afterwards, you get into a draw and it's going to be a tough year for, for Kaya. You know, get drawn into a, a group with Tampines Rovers, which yeah. is um, the second in the S League. You've got... Shan United, champions of Myanmar, tough squad. Yeah. And um, to go up against, um, who is the, the third one? Uh, we've got Indonesian team, yeah. oh, PSM Makassar. Makassar the, yeah. So uh, f- judging for the draw, is that the, the confirmed lineup now? Um, or well, I think there was a couple that were yeah, slash somebody else. That's right. right? That's yeah. right. For Shan United and for Tampines, they qualified for the preliminary round of right. the Champions League. Um, it's ah, a sort of a situation okay. yeah, where yeah, yeah, right. if they get knocked out of the preliminary, they'll drop back into the gotcha, AFC gotcha, Cup. Gotcha, yeah. uh, given that they're going to be playing teams from Japan, Thailand, and Australia. It's going to be quite a hard path for them, I would imagine. So <coughs> yeah, it's um, odds the, on yeah. are most likely they're going to drop back gotcha. to the AFC Cup. So okay. that's what's in for 2020, and it's an exciting time. What are your thoughts about the draw? Um, exciting trips there? I think, uh, well, I'm excited about Myanmar. I've never been. No? Um, never been They're to nice. Myanmar. Yeah. Um, so I, I hear some good things about that mm-hmm. place. And yeah. um, I, I know that Shan United is a very tough team to play. Yeah. So it should be interesting. It's a third trip to Singapore for, for Kaya. So it's a very familiar yeah. place, but it's a third different opponent. Different one, yeah. Because obviously we've had um, Ballester in my my year. Yeah. Last year you had Home. Home. And then they, were, they were reigning champions at the time exactly. and had a complete. Yeah, demise. A dis- a yeah, disaster yeah, demise from the, from the previous campaign. So it'd be interesting to see how. I mean, Tampines have always been 
in and around yeah, yeah sort of powerhouse really right. from that 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 league so it'll be interesting to see what sort of outfit they are next yeah. season 100 yeah. percent, especially with kaya going through a bit of a rebuild after you know um, f- failing to hit the the heights that you were hoping for with that squad um a lot of players with age already so it's going to be interesting to see how things transpire over quite the interesting to months. see how the, the the indonesian game goes if that if that Ooh. ends up coming to fruition because there was a little bit of bad blood yeah uh, had a kick. yeah and if I, I never had so many um notifications on our academy page oh then really I did shortly afterwards yeah we had tons of abuse even that academy page huh? yeah oh yeah oh, for wow. sure yeah really bad yeah really yeah. bad like being mean to the kids and stuff it was 100%. like yeah so i'm quite intrigued to yeah. see how that game indonesian netizens are something else huh i mean For there's sure. there's something different in the in the stands there's something different with their phones as well whatever but I, it, it might create a nice little rivalry i think in, yeah. within this region between whether it be philippine and indonesian fans or or on a club level 100 percent. So let's see what happens definitely going to cool. be something interesting but enough about me yeah. um um I'm excited about this opportunity to ask you all these questions, right? Okay. I mean, we, we posed the question just a couple of days ago, or yep. a day ago, in fact. Yep. And uh, I, honestly, I'm quite surprised that so many people have come out and, and asked these questions. Um, they're very much interested to, to pick your brain about a few things. And like well, I said- One of my friends asked about which um, meatball or um, chicken sub. Right. So right. Uh, maybe, that, that, maybe we should start in the most serious fashion and just get that one off. Yeah, chicken all the way. A yeah. lot of my friends are the meat. Uh, he's a friend of mine. But it's he, chicken it, dippers or meatball subs. Yeah, the, the meatball sub was when I was I, I went played in college in America, and before away games we would always get a sandwich oh, from yeah. the local deli, and um, meatball sub was one of the options. Options, and it was. Yeah, very popular on the team bus, but I was always the the chicken dippers. Chicken so, dippers, yeah. Well, well, chicken palm really is more chicken palm, but um, yeah. So that just to get the main question right, out earlier, right. yeah. If I had a sandwich choice, <laughs> it would not be the meat. It's too sloppy for me. Where did you go? Where Where in the states did you play? So initially, so basically, I, after I was released by Brighton, they were in the championship at the time. It was difficult to penetrate the the first team, so I'd been there from. 11 till I was 19 and um, yeah the opportunity for me to progress at the time was yeah was wasn't great so I hadn't made any first team appearance I'd made like I don't know like 150 reserve team appearances or something like that wow. I just really wasn't able to bridge that gap um, so yeah I, I wanted to, to to change change paths really I think yeah. I did, felt like I needed a new challenge I'd, I'd gone sort of trialing at various pro clubs, but I really wasn't that enthused about dropping down a couple of leagues and, and yeah. trying to work my way back up. It's just that, that oh, I wasn't really that excited about that prospect. I've seen a lot of players in, in the club who tried to drop down and, and never really recovered. Right. So I thought, look, I want to do something different. So I moved to America. Um, I, tr- I spoke to a bunch of different schools and then ended up going to a school in Springfield, Missouri, where a friend of mine who lived up the road from me, believe it mm. or not, was the assistant coach. And he brought me there. They had a Division One soccer program. Uh, Drury, Drury University was the name of the place. And I played there for a year and a half. Um, so I did two seasons, but a, one and a half years. And then my, both the head coach and the assistant coach both left. The head coach went to Duke, uh, okay. which is obviously quite a famous um, sports institution. Right. Uh, and then my other coach went to Hartwick, which is in... Uh, <coughs> which was in Onion to New York. So I then followed him and then I moved to New York for my final two years. Oh, wow. So, so that's, that's where, yeah, the New York deli and the meatball subs right, right, uh, right. Comes, comes to the fore. 
And uh, yeah, so I was there for, yeah, for three and a half years. That's before you went to the Philippines? No, so I made my debut actually for the Philippines in 2004, Tiger Cup. So I, was at, I, I moved to America in 2003. Oh. Does that sound about right? Does that timeline sound about right? Yeah, but I was in America at the time. I remember I actually I had to leave I had to leave school. So I left the last six weeks of my university at the time. And then I came out here and tried out for Coach Harris with the national team. And then I would, I would do the training in the morning, like six to eight or whatever. Yeah. Then I'd go to the local Starbucks. I'd type up a few papers, send them back, and then go back in the afternoon and train again. So I was doing that pretty much from, from I think, October time until December of that year. In, dis- yeah, in between that period where I was in the Tiger Cup as well. Wow. Yeah. So juggling things already. Always, mate. I'm always a juggler, (laughs) mate. It should should be in a circus, but yeah. Okay, let me. Maybe we should start there then. Okay, you've had an opportunity to 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 play under quite a few coaches. on the national team setup, right? You had Coach Harris, you had uh, Simon McMenemy. Yeah, I think I think there was there would have been somebody in between that too, right? I mean, Harris. Oh, loads. Right, and then you had um, Thomas Dooley. Yeah, Weiss. Yeah, and um, eventually working alongside Scott Cooper and. Sven yeah. Erickson, right? That's, yeah. that's, that, that's a whole bunch and, of... And Terry Butcher. Terry Butcher. That's right, for, for a few days or whatever. <laughs> never, it was. never, never. No, no, never. So um, there's, a, there's a question here, yeah. I believe, about who would be among all the coaches that you've worked yeah. with. Like, who is, who is the standout for you? You know what? For me, the one I, who I owe the most to is Aris Kaslip. Mm. Um, I came over as a... 19, 20 year old kid. Um, I had a dream of wanting to play for the national team. He gave me the chance and he gave me the chance to do that. So I owe a lot to him. Mm. Um, Very mild mannered, very measured in his approach. Would mess with your head psychologically. I remember one time I went, I think we'd been in camp for like five weeks and Anton, Ali and I were just, oh, we were dead. So we were like, listen, I just need to get out. Just need to get out of the cam and just do something. Yeah. I was like, God, this is this is torture. It's like prison. So we went out, didn't drink, didn't do anything. We went out just just to see some different faces other than a bunch of men, you know, in a yeah. in a dorm sort of thing. So we um, so we went out, c- came home at a reasonable hour, drove to six o'clock training, and Aris was like, "You went out last night, didn't you?" I said, "Well, I, I wasn't in the house at." 10 o'clock if that's what you mean but I didn't I wouldn't drink here and I said I'm fine to train he said okay let's see how you train honest to god I had the best training session ever yeah right I swear but the whole session he was just on at me on at me on at me and then at the end of the session he was like can't go out Chris you can't be doing that you can't be doing that he says you can't, you can't be going out it just sends the wrong gives the wrong impression to people yeah you know, it makes you seem like you're uh, here for the wrong reasons this and that like here to represent national team uh, um, this and that and I, and I was like oh, I said Aris, I, I was the best player in training no doubt I said look you can give me abuse I can take it yeah. I said but uh, you know he's a bit far off the mark but he, the point he was trying to make was valid like I get what he was saying I was young and just what it, I needed to see someone different like, right. and I think he's probably evolved himself you know what I mean you can't treat adults in that way I think it's he, he probably had to evolve, probably a harder player for him to deal with I was probably a different breed of player that he'd had to coach you know what I mean sure. probably the the line of player that he'd had before would be quite you know would toe the line and maybe a little bit fearful yeah um not that I would abuse him I would never abuse his power at all like I was 
I was always really respectful of him, his knowledge, uh, how he went about his program. Um, tactically very astute, scout mm. reports were spot on. Um, so no, probably him, just, just in terms of how, it, you know what, he would always give me a lot of confidence as well. He, made, he let me know that I was the main man. I always felt that even when people like Phil and James were there, we were obviously sort of talent-wise better players, I would say. Yeah. But he always knew and let me know that I was the heartbeat of the team. And although that evolved with time, you know, then as time wore on, you know, sort of Rob took over that mantle a little bit more, mm. um, a bit older than me, and then he had a bit more, a bit more sort of presence in that regard. Um, was probably a bit more involved than I was at that time as well when he first came into the mix. So in, in that, in that's in that scenario, my, my role sort of changed as I, as I grew older. But with Aris, I, I always felt like I was his, I mean, people used to say I was his son. <laughs> you know, Aris', Aris his son and that. But um, yeah, he, he, that, for me, he was probably the most influential and the one I was able to, um, I, I felt most comfortable with. That being said, you know what? I, to be honest with you, I got along with all the coaches at the national team, mm -hmm. you know? Um, who did I have after, after Aris? We had... Maybe was it Norman? I think maybe Norman uh, Figadero. Um, That's around the time. Um, yeah, would have been Joven, challenge. Right? Yeah, Joven, yeah, yeah, so yeah. been challenge cup um, qualifiers down at Elo Elo. So I don't think we had anyone so after two thousand three, two thousand four. No, 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 later. So this is later. That would have been two thousand and six, something like that. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I had Norman. I played under Norman. Really nice guy. Mm -hmm. Again, even though one he made me feel really welcome because I know that he had a group of guys that he was like, no, these are my guys, including Jova, yeah, yeah. Um, Boyet Canedo, mm -hmm. these guys. He was like, but he said, but I really want to play you. And I came in the day before the first game. And I know a lot of, he, he was under pressure to um, play certain other players. But um, I, I, he then said, no, but I'm going to play you even though you just come in, come in yesterday because yeah. I want you in the team. So I really respected him in that regard. He, he's another one who who was very good to me. He, he knew what I'd done previously and he, he weighed that up when pick, making his selection for the squad. So I really enjoyed, um, although it was a short period, I yeah. enjoyed working with him. He had great insight. It's a shame he didn't really last that long. He only did that one campaign. Aris then came back. Uh, so I worked under him again. Uh, Juan Cotillius I played under um, Juan Cotillius wow, for, for, wow. for one right. campaign uh, I mean that was interesting um, that's a classic I mean Juan Cotillius is like an old school a different generation type yeah, of coach yeah right? I mean I, I, it's a shame really because I don't know what really I don't know what's happened but for some reason I think because the situation with Maura Zen at Kaya mm. I think I, I don't have any problems with Maura at all but there, there seemingly was some friction with with him and me for, for whatever reason when, when he left and um, yeah I think obviously Maor was um, Cotillis's, um well, he was, he was Maor's mentor wasn't he really so yeah they have a very close relationship so prior prior to him coming in Coach Cotillis and I were, were, were fine we would talk and you know, I, I played under him and, and, and it was great yeah and then post that there, there seems to be I know there's there's a, there's a little bit of chatter on social media sometimes <laughs> uh, sometimes on the sh about the show as well um but no I mean to play for it, he had I mean he had an incredible career coach that Atletico Madrid right so career-wise yeah his background is unbelievable um very smart guy very intelligent guy came from like a 
sort of scientific background. So it was very. Wait a minute, we're talking about my work. Cotillas, Cotillas, yeah. coached in Atletico Madrid. Yeah, it was Atletico. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, know yeah, that. yeah. Check him out. Okay, Def- coach or play? I think coach. Yeah, pretty sure he coached right. there. He's got a scientific background. Yeah, I think okay. yeah, I think he's a doctor of some some sort. And then he was always like really keen on nutrition and mm. like I remember he dropped Jeffrey Lehman from a game once. So we were about to do the pre-game meeting and we had lunch beforehand. Yeah. And Lehman had stacked his plate full of like rice and shrimp. I mean, if it was like a mountain. Right? <laughs> and then he uh, then he stopped the meal. And then he did a 20 minute presentation on how you should eat and then announced that he wasn't going to be in the starting 11. (laughs) So, yeah, he was, I mean, he was very, um, what's the right word? Um, Flamboyant, I would say, quite sort of, um, yeah, a little enigmatic, I guess, in in some respects. All right. Um, But. I I liked him. I liked playing under him. He was passionate and he, he knew what he wanted and very bullish and, 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 and determined about how he went about his, you know, setting up his teams, like mm. um, a very clear philosophy on how he wanted the games to be played. And I admire that. I like that. So I had pain under him. Interesting character. And then we went into, would it have been some enemy era? No, Des Bullpin. That's right. Okay. That's so right. <laughs> le, le, okay. So let me, let me, let me clear something up with Des. So Des, so Des, Des and I were chatting in the build up. We went to Chinese Taipei for, um, uh, 2010 camp of some description we played Chinese Taipei alright and, uh, and it was quite funny because we had three midfielders at the time Manny Art Jason DeYoung and myself and um, I'd always started and uh, so we just Manny was the, the young player coming through so I just figured possibly Jason and I would be in the middle uh, and then the day before the game he set up his team and I wasn't in the starting 11 and then that's a lie the, we, the day we arrived in Thai, uh, Chinese Taipei I was assigned a room with Yok Yok uh, Bissetti. I don't mm, know if you remember mm, Yok Yok, mm. very good player. And then uh, Jason and Manny were rooming together. Okay. So I was like, okay, this is a bit suspect. And then we trained and then then yeah, basically the lineup was, was set. So I was on the bench and then we played against the college team. I played in that one. And then at the airport, there's, there's pulled me aside and he said, Chris, I said, um, I think we're going to... Um, I think we're going to go with some different options for the Suzuki Cup. This is in January, right? Suzuki Cup is in November. So I think we're probably going to go with some different options for Suzuki Cup. Mm. So I said, um, I was like, oh, okay. I bet I make it. I said, I bet I make it. Yeah. And he said, he said, no, I'm going to go with different options. I said, no, nah. I said, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I wasn't rude about it. I wasn't, yeah, I said, yeah. no, nah. I, I, I assumed that he would still be in charge, right? I said, I said, okay, I said, listen, I said, I appreciate that's how you feel right now. Yeah. But I think I'll find a, I think you'll, f- I'll find a way to get back in the team. And he said, he was like, okay, like I admire your persistence or yeah. your confidence or whatever. I can't remember what he said. Yeah, confidence. I said, nah. I said yeah, I said, yeah, I said, no, I'll get back. I think I'll get back in the team. So he said, okay. Thanks anyway, you know, I'll be in touch. And then lo and behold, he didn't, um, he didn't take the team thereafter. And then, yeah, of course, Simon Menemy came in. Um, so he was there for a period. We've, we've talked about him and obviously it's well documented what happened with, yeah. um, with, with stuff in 2010. For whatever reason, wasn't, wasn't retained. And then we had the, we ushered in the, the Weiss era. Yeah. I mean, he was such a unique character, Weiss. But, but you know, there were, there were times when, 
him and I got along really well. There were times he and I didn't get along. Yeah. Like with any players, if you're not playing, you're not going to get, you know, you try and fight your way back in the team, but you, you know, you don't like the coach. It's simple as that. For sure. Um, but all in all, I had, a, I had a good relationship with him. I mean, even he came back for, um, for a friendly game with Mongolia against the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll chat and talk and no problems. Like, it was, um, oh, although he's an interesting character, um, probably haven't got long enough to describe all, all, of, the, <laughs> all of the interesting because we've got loads of questions to get through. But, um, yeah, he, I think he was a little bit mis- misrepresented sometimes in the media because he came across very bullish. Yeah, yeah. Very bullish. Um but I genuinely felt like he, he cared about the players. He really cared about the players. That's the one, that's the one thing I felt. And, f- and we always talk about this amongst ourselves. Well, even though, I, if ever I wasn't in the lineup, very seldom would I look at a starting 11 and not go, but he's probably got nine out of 11 right there. Even yeah. if I felt I should be playing. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I always felt like he played his best team. You know, and you could never argue with him with that. It right. was always like, okay, if, he, if he's played such and such over me or whatever. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. But I think he's, I think that's a strong team. It's a strong lineup there, which I admired about him. I did admire that. About he's him. gone on to do decent, right? I mean, he's still moving around and still, still getting yeah, results. He's still involved, getting, getting results. So. Punching up above the weight of the country that yeah, he's coaching, yeah, for sure. So fair enough. So fair enough. Yeah. So he's got something there. Um, after that was... Was Dooley. And I'll tell you one story about Dooley because again, he's another one I think has got a, has a little bit of misrepresentation. Although, yeah, again, we had our ups and downs. And um, there's one thing he did for me which I'll never forget. And, and these are the sorts of things that people don't really realise with, with coaches, and, and why I will always respect him. Mm. I'll always respect Thomas. Um, I played a game. You might have you might have called it, or you might have been there. We played Morocco in a game, and um, Simon McMenemy and I got into a yeah, yeah. Do you, do you remember the game? I remember that. Yeah, we got into it. Uh, <clears throat> I've got, I've got images of that. Yeah. So basically, long story short, he accused me of diving in the game, and I, I, <coughs> I never dive, never dive. That's a, that's a, that's a strong one for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, so and he kept talking during the game, and I think they needed a draw to qualify, and we needed to win or something, and it ended up being one-one, and then. I just, as final whistle went, I lost the plot, mate. Absolutely lost it. Just when yeah, I, yeah. I embarrassed myself, really, I just, just went over to him and just let him have it. But yeah, I, I, I've apologized since because my behavior was unacceptable. But yeah, in the heat of the moment, I was pretty upset. Anyway, we were due to fly to the Middle East that sort of the, the following day, but like six in the morning was the flight. So we had a call time for like three or something in BGC or 4 a.m. So, wow. so like we finished the game at like, whatever, eight <clears throat> o'clock, nine o'clock. And then we were supposed to go to, um, we're supposed to meet at, uh, in, in BGC at like four in the morning. So um, my wife had just given birth to my son. So he was probably like a month old or something like that. And I got home and I was, I was obviously pretty agitated from the game. And then I started feeling uncomfortable about leaving my wife with, a, with, a, with, with my newborn yeah. on her own. And... Um, so it got to about two o'clock. I remember calling Rob Gear, and I was like, Rob, I said, I don't think I want to go. I said, I want to stay here with my, with my kid. Yeah. And I said, and this is right before Suzuki Cup. So this was maybe a month or two before Suzuki Cup. So we went to the Middle East to play Nepal. And then we were due to come back, finish off the league, then go to Thailand. And then we were going to Suzuki Cup. Wow. So that was, that was, the, that was the schedule. <laughs> so this would have been maybe October or something like that. But 
So quite close to the tournament. Yeah. So he said, you know what, just speak to him. He said, Rob said, just speak to him. I said, I think, he said, dude, he's quite, when it comes to family, he's, he's, he's quite good. Weiss was always more, he was always football first. It was always, you had to prioritise that right. and everything else was secondary. But Dooley was a little bit more um, family oriented and he knew that family comes first. So I said, okay. So I met with him. So I drove in, I pulled up my car, uh, right by the bus, and got out. I said, Thomas, can I have a word with you? And he said, he said, yeah, what's up? He said, why are you parking the car around the bus? Why, you know, why did you drive here? He said, yeah, yeah. And he said, why did you drive here? He said, where's your bag? <laughs> why are you not in the tracksuit? I said, I need to have a word with you. He said, you know, I've just had a kid. And I said, um, I don't feel comfortable leaving my wife here with a newborn. And um, I really, I really want to stay. I really want to stay. And I know you've got an important game coming up. And I know this is before the Suzuki Cup, this and that. But, I have to stay. I said, if that means that I'm not going to be available for selection for the tournament, I said, so be it. I'll take whatever's coming to me. He said, but that's, and I said, I, I apologize. It's late notice. I said, I know you booked the flight and it's, and it's going to make probably you look bad. Yeah. And he came out and he said, listen, Chris, he said, family comes first. He said, no problem. He said, go home, be with your wife and kid. I'll take care of everything. He said, I'll let them know that you got injured or you may, may, may let them know that you had a, yeah. a minor, a minor ish, yeah, injury or <clears throat> a, a slight problem. So he said, I'll cover for you. He said, no problem. He said, uh, and you'll come with me to Thailand. He said, in, in the trip, which was in two weeks time or something like that. He said, you come with me to Thailand. He said, no problem. So you got to do what's right for your family. So when he said that, it gave me a new, because actually previously we'd, we'd had, he didn't play me in the, um, in the final, the Challenge Cup final. That's right. And I was against Palestine. I was fuming, mate. Absolutely, like head head went big time. I know other players as well would voice their displeasure with me and James also not featured in the final, right. very vocally. And um, he came to me the next day and he apologised. He said I should have played you. And although it didn't at the, at the time, I was still pissed off. But looking back, at least he had. He was magnanimous enough to say, right, okay. I made a mistake there. I messed up and I'll put my hands up for that one. And it doesn't give me the opportunity to play that game again. But I do have a lot of respect for him to do that. So I already had that you know, level of respect for him. But when he did that for me, yeah. it, it meant I was always, I, I always had a, um, I always felt that he, he was someone who had the player's best interests at heart. So whenever people give him you know, abused for some of the decisions yeah. that he made or some of the selections that he made or sometimes he gets a little bit irate in a press conference. Deep down, I, was, I always felt that he's someone who had the, the, the player's best interest at heart. And he certainly demonstrated that with how he treated me. The player personally? Like personally. You as a yeah, person. Yeah, no, no, as a person. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. not as a player. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was always second. You know, I think he always felt as though if you've got a happy per person and you're going to get a good player. Right. Right, he's going to play for you. So I always respected that about him. And that's why... You know, I, when when he when he asked me to join as a, as his assistant, yeah, yeah, I I jumped at the opportunity because I I wanted to one I wanted to work with him, two I wanted to be with the team, and I felt I could help him. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that he probably needed someone who could bridge the gap between the players and the staff because he was just operating on his own at that right, time. Right. So I was probably a good foil for him in that respect, close enough to the players, but not so close that. I was still in that camp. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I'd already been out the national team for probably three or three or so years by that point, but I had the relationship with Thomas. So 
So would you it say was, the experience was, how would you describe the experience? No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. working with him. Yeah, I enjoyed working with him. He was different. Like Scott, for example, um, was probably, would let me um, be more involved. Yeah. So he would, and, and let me have more probably say. Sven, Sven was the same actually, would have me very involved. I mean, if you look at the games, he would often have me on the touchline, yeah, giving out information yeah. and stuff. Um, Thomas was more, I have, he needed someone more of a, as a soundboard, like, I, I think this, what do you think? And then you go and do it. Right. Whereas Scott was more of a, de he would delegate, Sven even more so, Sven, Sven would delegate responsibilities and then you would go and do, just do, do your bit, yeah. which was great. Scott did that also, um, but Scott was probably a bit more hands-on, I would say, um, than Sven. But um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so obviously after 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 Thomas, I worked with worked with those two. Um, really enjoyed it. Both uh, both, like I said, gave me a lot of responsibility. Allowed me to um, give my opinions on things, probably because I played, I'd seen a lot of these guys yeah. um, up close and personal for a, you know a much longer period of time than than they had. Um, Scott in particular gave me a lot of opportunities to to voice my opinion and and would always take it on board um listen to my 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 thoughts on how everything really training um selection tactical inputs he was great with me with that and what i would say about scott is he's a fantastic manager mm. really really good man manager probably out of all the coaches i've worked with the best man manager what makes you say. what makes you a good man manager i think just he's um very attuned to the wants and needs of the group. Yeah. Right? I think very good at knowing what buttons to push. Because you can't give everyone everything, right? You can't give everyone everything. It's so true. But I think he's very good at, right, I need to do this with this person, I need to do this with this person. Right. Right? This but is the main button to push. This is the main one. So is it, is it maybe like, I've got, to, I've got to kill him in public? You know, to get him riled up. Have I got to put my arm around him? Have I got to bring him into the room and discuss it with right, him? Right, right. Um, he was a very good manager of the staff, I felt, as well. Very good with that. Um, took a very sort of business-like approach to things. Um, so, no, I really enjoyed working with him. Really enjoyed working with him. Um, I think when you look at it, the sort of the broad scope of all of the coaches, yeah. and then, like, when it's sort of coming back to me as well, like... What you hope is you take the, the, all those ingredients and then you, within your own experiences, then shape yourself sure. into the coach that you want to be based on the philosophy and based on the experiences that you've had either working with or playing under those coaches. Yeah. And um, yeah, for me, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I think I've had a great crop of coaches that I've either played under or worked with. And um, now I've taken everything from... from both positive and negative from all the coaches that I work with. Shout out to Pat Mercado. <clears throat> Sent out a message. Um, I was actually asking for Thomas Dooley in uh, specifically about your assessment of him and your feedback of him because yeah. he's not been in the limelight at all lately. Although he has signed for a Vietnamese club yeah, yeah, yeah. quite recently. Yeah, right? yeah. So I spoke with him yeah, um, a few weeks ago. I suppose it was because, you know, Thomas Dooley perhaps uh, kind of got swept aside after leading the, the, the team to the Asian Cup. You know, he got yeah. us to the dance never got to the dance himself. You know what I mean? He got yeah. us qualified, but yeah. he was asked uh, to leave prior to getting onto that big stage. So um, I suppose a lot of people have been left with a feeling of what if, what if Do Dooley was given the, you know, the, the opportunity to, 
to work and continue in the yeah. Asian Cup level. Do you think it was the right choice though to to perhaps um, move on from from Coach Thomas and add a little bit of fresh freshness with uh, Scott and the rest of the gang? Well, I mean that's that's a really hard question to answer because obviously initially it was going to be Terry, right? Terry right, Butcher right, coming in. So so the initial the way in which the the sort of timeline worked was obviously, I mean it was. Yeah, the Dooley situation was not resolved, con- I guess, contractually or, or, right. or, yeah, so he wasn't offered a new contract. And then, so then they had the Terry Butcher situation and then Scott came in. So none of that was obviously part of the plan right. because Scott was supposed to be coming in just as the consultant, consultant initially. Yeah. And then obviously when we went to uh, the Middle East and did two camps and did really well, there was the feeling that we were moving towards something with the Suzuki Cup. And then obviously Sven Cup coming in yeah was like it was the timing of it was was just a little bit obscure because it was right before the tournament yeah i mean literally like maybe one or two weeks before the tournament that he came in was it was it even yeah, a few weeks it was something like it was something like that i forget the timeline like a few days i forget the, t- I forget the timeline, which is difficult for anyone doesn't yeah. matter like obviously he's coached at the highest 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 level you know one of the most revered football coaches it's certainly in recent memory yeah you know was that strange um, working with him? Surreal. Yeah, not strange, surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I looked at him when I was a kid and exactly. you know, I got his book at Christmas and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And he's just <laughs> like especially in England, you probably don't realise here, but in England he was he was a he was an iconic figure. Trade. Like, he, he was coach for a while, right? Yeah. And pro- arguably the best England team ever. Mm. I mean, if you look at the team that he had, I mean, they probably had seven or eight world class players. Right, right. In that team. Like I mean, I could probably name the team now. Uh, Seaman in goal, Ashley Cole left back, Sol Campbell, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Gary Neville, yeah. uh, Paul Scholes, Stephen Gerrard, uh, Frank Lampard, David Beckham, Michael Owen. It's ridiculous team. Uh, he- Heskey would have been in that group. Wayne Rooney. Like mm. Some of the players, yeah, just unbelievable. So like, yeah, all of a sudden then you're working alongside him and he's asking you for opinions on this, that and the other. It's like, bloody hell, this is weird. <laughs> so, I mean, we're kind of going off topic a little bit because you asked me, I don't know. I mean, he probably deserved the chance. You know what I mean? It's hard, it's hard, it's harsh because if you get, if you get a team to a major tournament, yeah. you know, if it was me, I would love to have an opportunity to see it, see it all the way through. Sure. Um, but obviously the, the, the situation with Thomas was, was just, yeah, it became untenable at the time. It was just difficult, I think, um, you know, like whether it be with, with management or with the federation or, you know, that. so it just made it difficult. The, the, the situation you could feel was, it was palpable right. between, you know, between the sides because obviously Thomas had certain things that he wanted, wasn't getting. Um, yeah, then obviously if that rubs certain people the wrong way, yeah, then it's going to create that, that kind of <clears throat> what I had heard- vacuum. The rumor was that, you know, like the squad wasn't as, um, how should you say, as united under him. I'm going to stop you there, right? Yeah. This is the God's honest truth because I don't know what it was like. Because mm. you, you can hear all sorts of stuff, sure. right? I don't know what it was like in the build up to that, right? But I know that when Thomas came to me, that was my, my remit was to try to be that link between mm. the group, mm. right? I remember at the end of that camp, I think even Phil Younghusband said on his on his podcast when he came on that it was one of the best camps that he'd been on. Oh wow! 
that that period between uh so we played two games we played fiji and then we played um tajikistan yeah yeah and i remember him saying that it's been brilliant and then even thomas was like this is one, this is one of the best preparations for a camp we've had interesting and then we had two wins so i don't know if, 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 if anyone can can manufacture any rumor yeah. And, and, yeah. and then it all of a sudden becomes like oh yeah this is oh this, there's discontent within the camp or he's yeah. lost addressing whatever like there were for me i can only judge it on based on what i saw when i came through the door and the, the boys were maybe yeah maybe they were buzzing because it was the asian cup qualifiers sure do you know what i mean so you knew what was at stake but I, I, I didn't get that feeling I, I, from when I was there and their, their interactions with me. Yeah. Certainly was a camp that was fully focused on qualifying for Asian Cup. So. All right. So, yeah. Thomas, it's actually pretty, it's, it's, a more, it's a much more glowing um, assessment of him than what you would hear on the street. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people throwing out a lot of dirt and saying that, you know, things were falling apart at that time. And um, perhaps it made the transition to accepting the new coach a little bit easier. I feel sorry for him though. I mean, he had, he had no assistant. Yeah. No assistant coach. The goalkeeper coach had just come in, Steve Marcella. Yeah. For, I think, the Nepal game. I mean, it's bloody hard to, <laughs> but, you know, to be a one-man band. And I'm guessing he's, you know, he's asking for stuff. He wants certain things to be yeah. you know, done in a certain way. And, and if things aren't adhered to, it's like, well, Am I banging my head against the brick wall here? Sure. And the, but then, of course, then you're going to rub other people the wrong way if you express your discontent. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously that's when perhaps there is there is friction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and then of course, if there's going to be friction, then things are going to be set. It's a, it's a lot more nuanced way of thinking about it, you know. I, yeah. I, it's it's a nice perspective right? to be able to have. So yeah. all in all, I, on, on, honestly, I mean, I, I've had my differences with coaches in the past, I've played with. But generally speaking, I can I can honestly say I could take away something from all of the coaches that I work with. Let's go through a, a few more of the quick questions. Go on in. Yeah, something um, where we don't have to dive so deep, right? Um, I'm just waffling on. Yeah, thanks anyway so, so, to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to Pat Mercado for yeah, question. a question on, on Coach Thomas Dooley. Yeah. This one's from Jet Pampolina, who's saying, uh, you're definitely English. Uh, you grew up in England most of your life. You're English as English can be, but what part of you or trait do you feel is distinctly Pinoy? I love a chicken adobo. Yeah. <laughs> food. Yeah, I think food. Because yeah. I think, especially growing up in England, it's, it's, it's hard. Where I grew up in England, Lewis, which if you look on a map is near Brighton, um, Southeast England is, I mean, we were, the town I lived in was, oh, it was so white, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so white I mean I could count on one hand the amount of kids who weren't white right. in my grade so we had 1500 kids in my in my school my high school so let's say 250 in my grade wow uh, maybe I, I can probably name you I can think of the actual, I can <laughs> see the faces and the names of the kids that weren't white so um you know, my mum wouldn't talk to us in, in Filipino. We didn't have any other Filipino friends. Mm. We weren't, you know, if you grew up in like a London, for example, yeah, yeah. you might still be immersed in the culture a little bit more, go sure. to a Filipino restaurant or whatever. Like all my relatives who live in New York or LA, they all speak to Garlog. You know, they go around to their cousin's houses. Like we just didn't have that. Yeah. So you kind of lose that element when you grow up. 
um, it's pre-internet age, so you know we wouldn't really converse or see them on pictures or whatever on Facebook or you know. So all of that stuff is lost. So yeah. you're just in your own little world. So you don't really have much of an opportunity to interact or, or um, yeah, with, with with your Filipino roots. Food was the one way in which we could do it. Right, so my mum right. would cook certain dishes and then. You know, sometimes we go to an Asian market or whatever, and then you'd find food that would be that way. Ironically, my wife cooks really good chicken adobo. Oh, is that right? Yeah, really good now. <laughs> so probably food, if I'm being like, yeah, if I'm if I'm being really honest, food is probably the one way in which I could connect. So your appetite is appetite. for the pinoa. My brother has some ones, but they're like the really bad traits: late, <laughs> lateness, uh, shocking driver. <laughs> right. So he's got some of those ones as well, um, but. Jet is Jet's kids in my academy, I and, see. and he's a neighbour. So um, yeah, I'll maybe I think about it. I'll think about that one again, and yeah. I'll give him a more uh, maybe something more personal to me. But off the top of my head, yeah, they're, they're the ones that come to me. Straight Definitely away. the food, huh? Food, yeah. Um, Nosnoid Luap saying that he's got a kid, uh, daughter Malia, who's who plays for a GPS. Yeah, under yeah, twi- yeah, under yeah, 10 yeah. club yeah I think it's North American Canadian American I think that one ah, yeah and, and she wants to play for the Philippine national team at some point yeah. she is playing in Boston travel there team in, in Boston yeah, and yeah. you know what's the best advice for somebody who has that sort of um, ambition I suppose okay so there's, there's a few here for me if you're under the age of 10 for this kid yeah just Let have fun okay <laughs> yeah just have fun yeah right have them fall in love with the ball, fall in love with the game. Don't try to coach them too much. Just encourage them to be out playing yeah. recreationally, training on their own, training with friends. Just enjoy the game because I think even Neil said on his episode, there's plenty of time for it to get super serious. Sure. Right. There's plenty of time for that if you really want to do that. Right. But at that age, just have fun. Just have fun. Don't take anything too serious. Um, you know, I'm in a situation now where I think my, my son's not bad. He's five. He's pretty good. He loves the game. He's he's on at me about going to practice all the time. And I have to tell him, no, no practice today. You need to go and we'll do something else. We'll go swimming or we'll play basketball or go to the soft play, whatever. You know, just things that will develop you as a kid and as a boy you know Mm. it doesn't i'm very anxious and i see it a lot here a lot here yeah a lot with filipino parents yeah what what do i have to do to make my kid a professional how old your kid seven (laughs) right probably back the hell off is is the first thing you should do (laughs) right yeah settle down settle down right settle down it's the i was really you know what and i say this with my parents all the time i was very fortunate i had a dad who from the get-go, he knew that I was passionate about football, knew that I was ambitious, knew that all I wanted to do was be a professional footballer, Yeah. but did not drive that at all. Mm. As a, especially as a young kid, especially as a young kid, did not drive that at all. So didn't force me into playing, didn't force me into doing anything. Sometimes he might push me or nudge me. So I remember, I remember being like maybe eight or nine, maybe, maybe a bit older, and I remember, I would spend a little bit too much time watching TV. Right. Right. And then he'd be As like, we all did. Yeah, as we all do, yeah, as you all do. And some people were in front of the video games or whatever, but that wasn't me. I was just in front of the TV. And he'd be, and he'd just be like, you know, 
hey, you know, maybe you should be out playing a bit of football. Maybe you should be practicing your juggling. Yeah. You know, how many juggles can you do now? Oh, I can do 100. Okay, it's not bad. Then you just leave me. You know what I mean? And I'd be, and I'd be <laughs> just let in. that simmer. Yeah, let it simmer for a bit. <laughs> I remember one time, right? This is the, he'd be quite clever though. He'd be quite clever. I remember one time he brought home, uh, there's, so there's a football, there's a football program called Kurva. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a coaching school. Uh-huh. And he got a video. He got a video of it. And then it, it would feature like kids all over the world from these, from these Kurva schools doing certain drills. And one of them, they, did, they went to Ajax and they were doing these stuff. They were doing finishing. And these kids were about 11. And I must have been about 11 at the time. Yeah. And these kids are smashing the ball. Like unbelievable. And I'm thinking at 11, like I'm pretty good for like an 11 year old. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he put it on and he go, they're your age. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But he was never, he was never like, and he'd just leave it. Because yeah. then it's up to you at the end of the day. Yeah. If I treat that like, so, and just shrug it off. Yeah. Or you can go out and be like, okay, well, maybe I should get, maybe I need to be a bit better with my finishing. Then you yeah, go out yeah. and work on it. Do you know what I mean? He was quite clever like that, but he was never one to sort of, you know, give advice or bully me or you know, get in the car. I remember one kid, this is, this is, this is a true story. There was a kid in my club who uh, we must have been maybe nine. And he said, Chris, he said, when you get in the car, he said, does your dad ever say anything to you after a game? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean does he say anything to me <laughs> after a game? He says, oh, when, I, when, I get back in the, when I get in the car after the game, yeah. he's telling me, oh, you were crap. You did this oh, bad, no. you did that bad. And, and I was like, no, and dad never does that, <laughs> ever. We don't ever talk, we hardly even talk about it. Like, oh yeah, what, how, you, how was the game today? What do you think? Yeah, it was good. All right, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll go home, yeah, eat lunch, yeah. and then go out this afternoon, whatever, ride a bike. Or right. I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous about um, trying to put too much pressure on kids too early, mm. right? Mm. Because if they really want to do it, they'll do it themselves. Right. They'll do it themselves. They'll go out and they'll train on their own. One thing that's a problem about being in the Philippines, I'm really going off topic with this, with oh, this question, cool. but is the hardest thing, though, is I get loads of parents telling me, my kid loves football. Right. Loves football. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Or I get parents to be like, my kid's playing football all the time. Mm. Okay. When I sit down and actually talk to that parent and be like, talk to me about your football schedule. Like, how, many, how many times? Well, he trains twice a week and then plays a game on a Sunday. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. Okay. So I said, listen, and what I'm trying to put into these guys' perspective is probably on the surface, that's a lot based on your other, other activities you've got going on. You're probably yeah. doing, I don't know, piano or basketball or swimming or uh, I don't know Lego class these are the things that, yeah, class, my son has huh? Lego class oh, right? wow. so these are sort of things that, that, that are available to these kids these days right times are changing but I'm, I'm thinking to myself right this would be my, my daily schedule right so let's say if you start school at 8.30 I might get to school 8.15 mm. right I might get to school 8.15 I'll play probably for tennis ball 15 minutes before we go into class so it might be me just banging a ball against the wall so it's 15 minutes of training right mm. there Go into, go into the class, come back out of break, 11 to 11.30, just play football. Another 30 minutes, that's 45 minutes of football already before lunchtime. Mm. We'll come out again at lunch, so let's say it's 12 till one, right? Let's say we get an hour for lunch, 12 yeah. till one, playing football again. So that's an hour and 45 minutes already. Finish school at 3.15, probably hang around playing the playground for another 15 minutes, right? Yes. Yeah. What's that? Two hours? Oh, I'm losing track. <laughs> yeah. two, two hours. Two hours of football already, sure. and it's not even four o'clock yet. Yeah. Right. Then I'll probably go and train with my club, maybe two, three times a week. So that's another hour, hour and a half. 
Wow. Right? And, that, and that's every day. So what the point I'm trying to make is a lot of these kids, I think that I've experienced up until the age of probably six, seven, I look at the kids and I'm like, they're amazing. You go and take them to the pitch in England, seven years old, the same. Yeah. There's no difference. Very little difference, I right. would imagine. Very little difference. I'm going to go back with my son and I've signed him up to go and play a few sessions. I'll be, I'm intrigued to see. Yeah. But from my understanding, I watched clips of some training sessions of guys who run academies in the UK, US, whatever. There's no difference. But what I see in differences is when you aggregate that amount of training time over the months and the years yeah. from the ages of 7 to 11, mm. you just can't. You can't catch that up. It's very difficult for you to catch up if you're based here. Right. So once you get to 11, I see a vast difference. Like I looked at my brother's under 13 team. They, they, went, they won the national championship in America. And I look at them versus our under 13s who are a very good team. Mm. Not the same. It's different. It's very different. And that's not even at the, that's not even like at a pro academy level, let's say in the UK. So let's assume that's another jump, another level up. So it's about your proximity to the game all throughout the day or just, you know. All throughout the day. Then yeah. you're going to go home. You're going to put Sky Sports on and sure. then it's just you're inundated with that, right? Then yeah. you might play a video game. It's probably going to be FIFA if you're going to yeah. play a video game. Then you might watch the game on the TV from mm. 7 to 8.30. Yeah, you're living, breathing it's, football. You're living it. Yeah. So when someone says, oh, yeah, my kid, he lives, drinks, breathes it. And it's, you can't. You yeah. can't do it. You know, the billboards on Edsa aren't lined with football stars. You know, sure. the, the magazines, the newspapers are not lined with football players. So if, if the question was, if you have a kid who you feel like is interested or showing signs of interest yeah. in wanting to yeah. play for the national team, you yeah. want to sort of like stoke that fire a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's like, all right, lay off. First of all, don't yeah. pressure that person. Yeah, if the kid's young, if, yeah. they're, if they're of age, like I'm saying, if you're yeah. starting to get to 12 to 16 kind of period, I right. think that's when you're starting to obviously... Football is my number one sport. Yeah. This is what I'm focused on. This is what I want to be. Because I was like that at that age. Yeah. I wanted to be a footballer. So you just have to sort of nurture an environment where they can, you know, live and breathe it. Absolutely. On and a that's, regular and basis. And that's really tough. Yeah. Because you also don't want to overload them with... It feels manufactured then if you do it yourself. Right. Right. So, and then there's the more sort of logistical questions. So I, I would start to reach out to people within the football community. Mm. So people within the federation... So let's say if they're based in the US, yeah. if it, is it a girl? Is it a young girl? Yeah, Malia. Yeah, so perfect. I mean, if there's some youth tryouts coming up for like the under 14s or whatever, and this has happened with a lot of girls yeah. and boys, to be honest. Yeah. So they'll come over for a camp. You know, yeah. They'll do yeah. the two yeah. weeks or whatever, at least be on the radar. You know, you, my mum, back in the day, if you want to know how we ended up going on, my mum, this is, this, is, this is how crazy football is. My mum came back for a funeral um, of my grandmother, so her mother, mm. and stayed with my aunt in Pasig. Okay, and it was a, it was literally around the corner from the from the football federation office. Oh. Literally around the corner. Oh wow! So she rocked up, walked up, went up the stairs. I don't know if you remember the old PFF offices, dingy offices. And she was like, knocked uh, on the door. It's still the same one, uh, isn't it? No, that's a different one. <laughs> right around the corner from that. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. It was in Ultra, and then yeah, knocked on the door. Basically, it was like, yeah, I got three boys. Yeah, got three boys. And then okay, here's the email address of, and then gave me Coach Aris's information. And then I emailed him later on that year. And that's how it ended up. Your so, mom's awesome. Yeah, so that's it. So that's that. So I, I would, yeah, then, then just, just, if the kid is older, so between the ages of probably 12 to four, 15, uh, 16, 
then I would start to make, if, if you feel as though if they're playing at a good level in the US, yeah. make contact with the federation and then see the if pathway. she can join. Yeah, see if yeah. she can join maybe a youth national tryout, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and try to at least get on the, on the radar with, with, the, with the national team program. I hope that helps. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, no, Snoid, Luap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Rueda was going to ask you about uh, the Kaya tryouts. Kaya Academy is currently <laughs> holding tryouts. And what qualities are you looking for in uh, players who are trying out, especially for the older age groups? Okay, easy. Uh, it sounds like I'm plugging uh, the tryouts. Nah. I think the tryouts for the U15s and 30s was yesterday. If he's U17, it's too late. Uh, the dates were already posted right, uh, right. weeks or months in advance on the Instagram and Facebook pages. So check it out. Uh, and what qualities are we looking for? Yeah. You know what? First of all, looking for people to be on time. <laughs> that would be a good start. Um, <laughs> you know what? We're, we're all, I was having this, again, I'm having a conversation with a parent the other day. First of all, we're looking for good people. Yeah. Right? We are looking for good people. So, uh, you know, you could be the best player in the world. But if you're not the right fit culturally for us, it's not going to work out. Um, obviously, it's hard to tell and gauge that from a tryout. But, you know, in order for you to be in the shop window, you know, you've got to show up for the tryout. So, sure. uh, yeah, check on the page. But, yeah, attributes. We've got a manual, right? I've spoken yeah. about that with, with Alvin. We've, we put out a manual. So if you play in a certain position, check out the coaching manual. And there's a list. There's a list of characteristics. Where is that, that available? Are. Facebook page. It's pinned. It's at the top. Oh, nice. Yeah. Kai FC Academy Facebook page pinned at the top. Yeah. Uh, the website kyfcacademy.com on the resources page yeah it's got a coaching resources page it's got coaching manual session plans um, if you're a coach if you're a player take it steal it yeah yeah I've got no problems putting it up there for people to, to replicate it. yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's if you're looking for characteristics of players that's that's what we're after and it's a detailed one for right. the academy because we're looking for different things compared to other clubs uh, it's on there so there's, check it out. there's a few questions about youth coaching yeah. and um, your, you know, obviously your experience being a youth director and what you feel as if youth national um, program should be. Um, let's put a pin in that real quick. All okay, right. Yeah. I want to go over to Ryan Phoenix's question um, sent over one and asking about how you were quite young when you decided to um, retire mm. as a player. What age was that? Uh, 31, 32. 31, 32. No, I just turned 32, I think. You decided to focus on coaching and uh, he was wanting to know um, what were the motivations behind that mm. and looking back now a few years on, is there anything that you would have changed? First of all, he needs to come on the show. True. I've asked him. Yeah. He flaked. Is that right? Yeah, Ryan. No, so. we'll, we'll, but he's, we'll, a good, he's a good man, Ryan. We'll rectify good, that. Yeah, we'll rectify yeah good that. man. So I'll answer and then you come on the show. Um, I toy with it all the time. Until now? Yeah. Yeah. I look at, I look at the league now and I know I could still play. <coughs> Funny story. I, I, when I was with the national team, coaching under um, specifically Sven, I would join in training all the time. Mm-hmm. I would join in training all the time. I was all right. I was all right. I, yeah, could, yeah. I could still, I could still ha hang with those boys. Um, still, I was, I'm still passionate about football. Mm. So there's still a part of me, but maybe that will never die. I'll probably be 50 and still stay in the same. Yeah. So part of that is probably my, just my competitive nature thinking, oh, I could still do it. Yeah. Cause I struggle to get upstairs now. 
I mean, I get out of breath playing with my kid and get stiff. So <laughs> I'm supposed to be playing a game on Monday against with the parents against the kids, our older kids. So we'll see how I get on there. But I, I feel deep down that I, I, could, I could still play at this level comfortably. So part of me is, yeah, is I wish I continued. I wish I continued playing. I would love to have played in the AFC Cup. I would love to have played in that. Obviously, I was player coach when we when we won it. So in 2015, you yeah, were already I was player coach. A player coach, yeah. 2016, you coached the um, that campaign. Yeah. In the AFC Cup, so that yeah. was one of the motivations for you to make a decision. So let me let me backtrack a little bit. I'm going to go right to the beginning of when I, when I when I came to Kaya. It the the UFL obviously it had been professionalized for a couple of years at that point. But the, f- the year I came, which was 2013, I, f- <coughs> I felt I could really feel the buzz. Like everyone, like people were really um, building their lineups. So there were some big names coming coming back, back to the Philippines. And then year on year, it seemed to be getting more and more, more professional, more money. Things were getting better. So when, when I first came, I looked at our club and I was like, right, we've got, we got a good thing going here. But one of the issues that I felt happened was, so my first four weeks was under Ma'or, then he left. He yeah. quit citing you know, various issues. So there was that issue. Then Dave came in. Perkovic. Perkovic, who, great coach, um, learned a lot from him, very different to what I'd experienced before, different philosophy, different mm. way of playing, but one that I really enjoy playing in. Mm. Um, but then he left, so he was only there for a year and a half. And in between Ma'or and Dave, I took the team mm. for a few games, coached the team. Dave then left, and then before Adam Riki came in, I then took the team again, got us to the Charity Cup final. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And, and took a bunch of the kids from the academy, plus some stragglers from the first team, and got us all the way to the final. Um... And again, I think my stock sort of rose a little bit just with, with that because I was playing with some pretty young, I think I played three or four 15-year-olds in that, in, that, in that team. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, Rocky Plaza. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's Nina right. Nina Herrera, uh, Carlitos Matai, all, all those kids all came through. Patting, uh, Sagawa played, a um, bunch of them. And even like Emilia Palaeth came, came in and played, like all kids from the academy. And then, um, so, so yeah, we did all right with them. Got to the final, lost the final to Global, but still a good, it was a good achievement. Riki came in, he also left mid-season, and then mm. I took us, so then that's when I first, I took us for the cup group stage, yeah, which we smashed. We smashed, we had a, we had a fairly easy group, but from right before, when the draw was made, I said, right, we got to top the group. I wanted to avoid Serres in the semi, so I said, we yeah. got to top the group, and we had an easy group, so I was like, right, we got to try and, run up the scoreboard every game. So we went in and absolutely annihilated everyone. Yeah. So we got the number one seed, so we avoided Serres. Louis Clark was just new. Was that the one? Yeah, uh, that was his first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was he his first year. a lot of goals that. So, yeah, yeah, that was his right. first year. Yeah. So, so that was good. So we qualified for the cup. Then Fabian Lewis came in. That's right. Right, then Fabian Lewis came in. Then he left. Obviously then took over for the cup proper. Mm. Knockout phase, won the cup. It was such a tumultuous period. So I'd been playing for like three years and yet I'd, I'd had three different interim, four different interim stints. We'd had five 
coaches. And I was like, I don't trust anyone else to do it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, what happens if someone comes in? I've done a lot of groundwork, I feel, in getting us to this point as a player. And then obviously then you do it as a coach. Mm. You know, so I've got us to, at what I felt was the pinnacle for the club moving forward was, you know, getting us to the AFC Cup was really, that's what the club was about. Yeah. Right. And it is, it is about, and it's still really what, I don't know if Sarah's have aspirations of qualifying for the Champions League, but I think that'd be tough. You know, I think yeah. qualifying for the AFC Cup and then progressing through that competition is really what we should be aiming for, in, certainly in the short term, short, medium term. So I felt, you know, I'm the man to do it for sure. I was really confident in my ability and I didn't think anyone else could do the job as good as me. So I thought I'd do it. I thought I'd do it. Um, what I, what I learned along the way is I made a lot of mistakes my first year. Um, issues and managing up, managing down with the players. Mm. Still probably having my player hat on. Mm, mm. You know, treating people as, as I would as, a, as I did as a player. So for example, I would berate people on the pitch. But you couldn't really say much because I would, if I told you to go and do something, you couldn't answer me back because I'd be doing it. Yeah. Right. So if I said, go and close him down, run 60 yards to go and, you know, close the space. Yeah. I would do it. So you, no one would turn around and go, oh yeah, but you're walking around. It was never the case. I yeah, was never, yeah, I was yeah. never, no one was ever going to, oh, no, no one would ever accuse me of not putting in the work. So I was, that gave me a certain amount of leverage if I wanted to hand out instructions. Yeah. Instructions. Um, but as a coach, you don't have that. You need to have, you need to be more skilled in how you deliver your message. Mm. And I didn't, I hadn't acquired that. Uh, and it, it takes time to evolve. So I got by, and I listened to a really interesting podcast the other day. What, what um, this coach was saying was, a lot of younger coaches feel like they have to prove themselves um, tactically and also through authority. Mm. Right, because there's already that assumption that ah, too young for the job, or with me, our oh, Chris is still in sort of player mode. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because it was he, he still, which was actually true, but I long I wanted to distance myself from Chris the player and Chris, and Chris the, coach. the coach. So I, I went over the top. I was too. Um, I was too vicious. I think in terms of how I would deliver a lot of my messages, I was too aggressive. Um, which is strange because it's not really my nature. It's more, I, I think I'm, I, I should have been more personable and, and, and used my softer skills to, to, yeah. to cultivate the relationships, which I got better at, which I got better at as I went through my three years. Yeah. And I, ultimately, I think it showed in the, in, in the, in the results. Because obviously in our, our last year, <clears throat> excuse me, we, yeah, we won a domestic cup competition. I, yeah. felt we, I felt that year, barring a couple of... Ob obscure performances I felt for many periods of that league campaign we were the best team yeah. I actually felt we were the best team in that league um, Ceres is a difficult juggernaut to compete with in general so we have to also keep, keep that very much in mind but I felt like we were the best team and I think a lot of that was how I managed that group that last year I, th I felt I managed that group a lot better but I felt in the beginning I was a little too I went too far the other way too authoritarian right. too uh, I was too focused on, on things that 
that were tactical when really I should have been focusing more on cultivating relationships with the players. Mm. I think the relationship game is, is if you, it doesn't really matter if you are tactically the best coach, if you have the best uh, methodology, if you have the game plan that's yeah. perfect. If the yeah. players don't want to run for you, they won't run for you. Right. And one of the things that I stood out was as I, as I got older and as I've gone through the coaching journey and I've learned more, 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 more about coaching, I think I'm fairly studious. I listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah. speak yeah. to a lot of people about the game. I, I read, I'm very diligent about reading. So the more information that I acquire, the more I sort of, I think back to that time as a coach and then, and then sort of reflect and think, oh, I wish I'd done it differently. Like one of the things that was really interesting if you read it in my coaching manual, I talk about, um, as a coach, a lot of things are delivered in moments. So um, your influence is never neutral, right? It's either positive or negative. You, it's, it's never one, it's, it's never in the middle. Mm. It's either one or the other. And I said, I can guarantee you, and you, you're, you, you're an athlete yourself. You, I bet you, you're the same. If I ask you to think about a time when a coach has said something to you, one, that has had a massive negative impact on you. Yeah, I guarantee you can think of one, mm. and I guarantee that on the same on the flip side, you can think back to a moment where a coach has said something that that has been so powerful that it's completely changed your perspective or your output in a, in a particular sport. Sure, and and I get, and one thing that's quite interesting off of those two ends of the scale is although that's the case for you it's memorable both positive and negative for those coaches who delivered them they were probably throwaway comments right and they probably don't remember them yeah they probably yeah. don't remember them that's right right so you've got to be so careful with the words that you choose as a coach so the example i gave was i delivered this as a presentation to my coaches and i freddie was in the room freddie uh, alfred osai yeah who's obviously played for me and he coaches with me and i said to him i said freddie i guarantee you can think of one I guarantee I'm, I'm going to be in one of them, aren't I? He said, yeah. I said, go on, share it with the group then. Share it with the group. Yeah. And he said, he said, Ballastir at home. Mm. Right? Didn't say anything. Yeah. He has another shot about five minutes later. Blazes it over the bar. What do I say to him? You must have had a shout. Yeah. Yeah, a proper one. If you've got kids in the car, put, put, <clears> the, <throat> ear, put the earphone, turn the volume down. <laughs> I said, well, we're live, aren't we? So I won't say, I said, what the F was that? Yeah. Freddie, what the F was that? So, so it made me think, I'm like, I didn't impact him positively. Yeah, for sure. I made him feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. In front of his friends, family. And his students, essentially. His students, right? Yeah. right? His students, his players. Yeah. right? I haven't given him any tactical information. I haven't told him like, you know, get your head over the ball, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Aim, uh, you know aim, <laughs> I don't know, aim for the goal seems a bit <laughs> obvious, right? But you know, like the keeper was small, he was undersized, the Ballastia keeper, right? Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, I could have highlighted that as a, as a, as a point of reference, but didn't, I just bollocked him in front of everyone. Yeah. And, and, it, and it stayed with him. And, and you know, even though that was like five years ago, he still remembers that. And it'll probably stay with him forever. Yeah. And I have to live with that. You know what I mean? I have to live with that. And his kids that I've probably said stuff to, or his players that I've said, other players that I've said stuff to, that are probably the same. Yeah. On the flip side, I know there's kids that I've impacted positively, well, I hope so anyway, <laughs> otherwise I'm doing my, my job wrong. But I think coaches have to be really careful with how they, how they speak, especially youth coaches. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's 
so much impact that you can have. Here's the funny a thing. We started this 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 question and what you're talking about yeah. based on the question whether or not you regretted leaving as early as you did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And as you can see, there's been, you know, a lot of learning that was yeah, involved yeah, yeah. In, in your trajectory as a coach yeah. after leaving what you would um, have described as a body that is still capable of playing yeah. at this level, yeah. even three years down the road, yeah. right? But <clears throat> what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that you're very astute at, at being able to analyze and pick what you did do correctly and incorrectly, which is not as common as you'd think it is, right? I really? mean, you're, you're very like critical, but yet, um, how should you say, um, you're, there's a certain dispassionate or disconnection from your correct and wrong actions. You know what I mean? Like you see both. Mm -hmm. You see both what you did correctly and what you did um, yeah. incorrectly. Yeah. And um, from what I understand in your development as a coach from 2016 onwards to 2017 and 2018, which I was a part of, yeah. there was, we were speaking about your change in approach yeah. and that you were learning quickly yeah. how to uh, adjust your approach yeah. <clears throat> in that regard. So while there are, I feel like, you know, a few regrets that you could still play, Mm. you wouldn't be where you are as a coach right now if you didn't start that early. That's 100% true. And didn't make those same mistakes, Yeah. right? I mean, your, your capability to understand um, the impact of your words now is is different as yeah. what it would have been if you had retired just now, yeah. right? Then you would have to still make those mistakes. So then yeah. the question is still, do you regret leaving the game as early as you did? Or do you feel as if, obviously that fire is going to be there. You're an athlete. You know, I know individuals who have a hard time staying away from the game, um, yeah. and that's that's common. You know, yeah. that was your life for so long. Yeah. But do you feel as if the impact that you create as a coach right now would be surpassed by you being a player still? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, I like I said I, I really struggle with it. I really struggle with it. I, I get I get what you're saying, and I, and, I, and you're 100 percent right. I obviously would not be at this point. Yeah. In my coaching development and my coaching journey, had I have continued to play up until this point. Mm. But would it just be three years down the line? So would that be three years time I would just be at this point now, had I have played another three years? It's devil's advocate, right? We, I mean, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, we we don't know. It's like, it, but I feel as if it compounds, right? Your learning process compounds. Like um, yeah. you as an individual who already understands this now, yeah. your acceleration as a coach is gonna be different as opposed to you just learning it now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this, the whole idea of um, learning what to say, um, learning how to deliver it, learning how to distance yourself as a player from the rest of the, the, the squad that you played with. Yeah. Which is a strange, strange dynamic that this guy was just playing alongside me and now he's telling me off and I have to agree with him because now he's my coach. You know, all those yeah. things. And um, learning Asian Cup, for example, you wouldn't have gone to the Asian Cup if it Very wasn't, true. you know what I mean? You wouldn't yeah. have coach for this man you wouldn't have had yeah. these experiences if you yeah. had not stepped away that's very true right i mean yeah and and having listening to your conversation with alvin obviously didn't get a chance to sit down with you guys on that one but mm -hmm. you guys are both coaches and you guys have a level of understanding of what it takes yeah and um sort of assessing assessing uh, your players but also what systems are in place that make your job a little bit more difficult you know mm -hmm. there's a sense of perspective that 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 it is given to you or you, you garner based on stepping away as a player and not being so focused on what do I eat today? Um, how do I get my body on point for tomorrow? Yeah. Um, you know, those are the yeah, things yeah, that yeah. encompass your I, mind. But I, I miss when you're that. A player. I'm sure you do. I miss that. That's actually an element that I miss. 
I miss the competitive nature of it. And yeah. It, not not even the games. I miss the day to day. I miss. I was a good trainer. Yeah, yeah. I know training was for me. I would try to win a day every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, training every day. I would always if the game at the end or with or the possession boxes, whatever it would be. I wouldn't go in the middle. I uh, would want to win every game. So yeah, that that I miss. I miss the competitive element. If I could go back and do it again and know what I know, I would carry on playing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Ryan. Thank you for your question. Come Ryan on the Phoenix. show, Ryan. Don't be a stranger. <coughs> All right. Um, here's you're right. You're coughing a lot, mate. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's been two weeks of sea games. I apologize you've for everybody listening. You've been doing a yeah, just just like talking way too the, much. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying my best here. Yeah. Um, apologize for everybody who's listening, listening to me hawking and coughing. Um, all right, here. If you were a national youth team coach, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, Brando uh, Barambado, uh, <laughs> Barambado, nice, nice last name, <laughs> right? Um, if you were given the chance to be the program director of the national youth teams, would you accept the challenge? In many ways, it's the dream job for me. If you want to know why that would be Chris Greatwich's dream job, then definitely tune in to part two of Chris Greatwich's Ask Me Anything. He goes through a whole bunch more of your questions. And uh, yeah, it's a fun conversation to have. So definitely tune into that. And if you like the content that we provide here on Across the Line, subscribe to our YouTube page or Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. And if you have any comments, any questions, any suggestions that you have, please hit us up on our social media pages on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. We'd love to start a conversation with you. All right. Catch you next time on the next Football Friday.